It's with gratitude that I say thank you for your continued support of the Mindful Rebel podcast. As the podcast approaches 100 episodes and the podcast continues to grow and the listenership continues to grow, I want to connect you with the resources that can help you along your journey. Please check out these curated sponsors that will help you in your own personal and professional development. My name is Richard Bailey, and I am the CEO and co-founder of GroupFit, which is a health and fitness platform for the Black community. Living and maintaining a healthy lifestyle is one of the best ways to practice mindfulness. Now, it's no secret that exercising has its benefits for your brain and thought process, but since exercising requires you to be mindful throughout your entire workout routine, this can easily spill over to your everyday life. So to get started with practicing your mindfulness in a way that will help you get and stay fit, download the only Black Fitness app and join the Group Fit community today. Now, for more information, you can head over to www.groupfit.co. That's spelled G-R-P-F-I-T. Thank you. This episode is also sponsored by the Planetary Sound Immersion Fundraiser. Support great initiatives that help heal our communities. The Planetary Sound Immersion Fundraiser is Wednesday, December 19th at 6.30 p.m. at the Fernbank Science Center in Atlanta, Georgia. The sound experience will be unlike anything ATL's ever seen before, with five sets of quartz singing bowls, five sound healers, deep ethereal sounds of gongs, and the starry cosmos above and around you. This event is not only epic for your mind and spirit, but it's also a fundraiser. The fundraising initiative is designed to create job opportunities for sound practitioners and wellness centers and nonprofit organizations so that they may continue to serve our communities in mental health and wellness spaces. For more information about the event, check out the information in the podcast description or go to soundembrace.com. That's soundembrace.com. Welcome to the Mindful Rebel podcast, the podcast where mindfulness and leadership intersect. My name is Sean Moore, and I'm the host and creator of the platform, The Mindful Rebel, as well as an educator, scholar, and creative. In this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Danielle Hall. Danielle has created a movement for inner awareness and empowerment through sound experiences. As a sound practitioner, wellness coach, and activist, she is making waves in the conversation around mental health, shifting perspectives around empowerment, and leading a team of educated sound practitioners to elevate the sound healing industry. Through her sound healing practice, Danielle has worked with adults and children transitioning through various traumas, including PTSD, depression, sexual abuse, digestive issues, and physical pain, using specific sound tools and techniques to facilitate shifts in the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual body. According to Danielle, you have a choice when it comes to your health and well-being. Sound is a powerful tool that can lead to the awareness of your subconscious thoughts. This awareness allows you to choose to empower yourself to change the trajectory of your life. All right. Uh, on this episode of the Mindful Rebel podcast, I have the pleasure of chatting with Danielle Hall. Danielle, thank you for being on the episode this week. Thank you for inviting me. This is exciting. I love it. I'm glad. I'm glad. And I think, uh, you know, the best place to start with my guests is to help my audience get a foundation for the work that that you do. Um, so if you could talk to me a little bit more about how you got involved um, in the work that you do as a sound practitioner and as a wellness coach and what that journey looked like for you. Sure. <laughs> so I, uh, I think I, I have to preface the story with um, I grew up military brat. Uh, moving every two to three years, and very uh, a, a lot of the stereotypical military family type stuff, um, very strict uh, <laughs> and very particular way of kind of being in the world in terms of, you know, you be quiet, you put your hands in your lap, you follow the line, you do what you're told. 
And uh, those things were instilled in us very early on. And, um, and so I, I share that because when, ever since I was little, I was always sick. And so it was just this normal thing for me to be sick. Uh, I never questioned it. Um, I never um, thought about life being any kind of different way. I just knew that, all right, these were the cards I was dealt in life. And I was always going to have these random, intense, physical, um, or uh, getting sick um, episodes. And so fast forward to 28, being 28, um, I was not my normal sick. And I was losing my hair. I was losing the enamel on my teeth. I had chronic migraines, lumps in my breast. I had um, chronic constipation and a number of other really interesting, crazy <laughs> things that were sending me in and out of the emergency room. And, but, at the, but even then, even though that this was, I had this conversation in my mind of this not being my quote unquote normal sick, I still had accepted that this, I just still didn't really question it. And so it was really going to um, one emergency room trip. Uh, I'm sitting on the, what's the thing, the um, hospital table. Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on like the name of it. The hospital <laughs> table. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> to be examined. I'm in the gurney, you know, with like, the whole back wide open and I don't, I don't know, just like how those, those gowns are not very, um, uh, don't make you feel very confident when you're in this space anyway. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for the doctor to come back in and uh, he comes in and picks up my chart and he says, well, Miss Hall, if we don't find out what's going on with you, you're going down a really dark road. And he didn't look at me when he said this. He was just looking at my chart. And then he put my chart down and walked out of the room. <laughs> wow. And so up until that point, I had never been afraid from my health. I'd never thought about my symptoms in any kind of way that, were, that was actually detrimental to my health until that particular visit. And... He had come back into the room. We did another series of tests. And um, the long story short of that, he was telling me that my body was deteriorating at a fast rate and we needed to figure out what was going on through another array of tests. Sent me home with a prescription and I went home and I just like felt defeated and felt like, wow, I'm going to be 28 years old, bald and toothless for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> or worse, like the worst case scenario that they were presenting, they were, and they were presenting worst case scenario stuff. And um, uh, I didn't know the difference at the time between prayer and meditation. But that night I had, or once I got home that day, I um, I started praying and like really cursing God and everything that, you know, why is this happening to me? And it was the first time I had this realization of being curious actually being curious about what was happening in my life. And I had cried, you know, that really, really deep, that really, really deep cry that's just coming from somewhere you don't even like know where that, the, even the sounds, you know, that it's like the ugly cry, you got the snot, you got the sound, you get all the things. And then you're cursing God at the same time. And you're just like, what the F is happening? And um, I got to the end of the, the ugly cry 
And I, you know, there's that feeling after a good cry of uh, your whole body vibrating. And I, I just had this kind of knowing sense of um, this, you know, it's not that I actually hear a voice, but it's more of like a knowing sense that came in that said, you're going to be fine, be open. And the next day I found a naturopathic doctor um, that, well, one had come into my awareness somehow. I don't know. I don't remember how exactly she came into my awareness, but like God must've heard me cursing at him or her. Um, and, um, she sent me this naturopathic doctor named Alma. And, um, I went to her because she actually had doctor in the name and I'm, you know, still at this point, still super skeptical of any and all things alternative therapy like. And, um, I um, found out that all of my health issues from a young age, including what was happening to me at that time, was a severe gluten allergy. And I um, took gluten out of my diet, felt what healthy felt like for the first time in my life, saw what my nose, my face looked like without inflammation for the first time in my life, felt what pretty felt like for the first time in my life at 28. Um, and while I was on this really, really immense high from like feeling good and feeling what healthy was feeling like in my body uh, and experiencing this second chance at life, I then fell into a depression because um, I started blaming myself and blaming all of the other people of why, like my family, of like why didn't we know that how food affected the body. Um, and so this was this point was actually the catalyst for me to start investigating why um, these alternative therapies were not didn't feel accessible to me, and in a way that I was so such a skeptic. And so I just started going into. I went to my first yoga class. Uh, I went into my first massage and my first acupuncture, and then I went into my first sound bath. <laughs> I know that's. I mean, I know we were talking about this as a conversation, and so I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're absolutely fine. Um, you're fine, and 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 part of that is just kind of flowing and kind of understanding more of your journey, and that's that's absolutely fine. Um, I and it's interesting because as I'm as I'm thinking about you know your introduction to you know these alternative therapies and, and these modalities, healing modalities. Um, I think, you know, you have a very, you have a very interesting perspective because I think it's one that is probably more common than it probably should be that I think oftentimes we have folks that are very um, skeptical or don't understand maybe um, the implications that some of these um, other modalities have and, and can be very beneficial for folks in their own kind of personal healing journey. And I think it's, um, it's interesting that it's 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 a much more common experience probably than it really should be that these are um, all should be options on the table to help people figure out what's their best method of healing. Um, I think what's from that. I mean, what what from your journey and you starting to tap into some of these other modalities um, made the sound healing aspect jump out to you or become one that resonated a bit more with you than maybe some of the other modalities. Well, so that's a great question. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that kind of came together in, uh, in this journey of even how I portray sound healing. So <clears throat> I, um, 
I went, <laughs> I'll paint the picture of what my first sound healing <laughs> sound bath experience was. I, uh, you know, I lived in San Francisco at the time and uh, I walk into, it was a free sound bath experience and I'm like, okay, I can get down with a free experience that I've never experienced before. <laughs> uh, I'll dry that out. And so I show up and I'm in my, my, uh, my skinny jeans and my Nike lifts and I'm wearing a Giants baseball hat and I'm just, you know, like ready to go. And, and I show up there's the me. Well, first I walk into a room that, um, you know, it's kind of, to me, this was like the, all the stereotypical hippie woo-woo things were happening in this space. There was a Jesus and a Kuan Yin and a Buddha and there was an incense burning and there was like sacred geometry, but I didn't even know what sacred geometry was at the time. And I didn't even know what, who Kuan Yin was at the time. Uh, but I'm seeing all of these different, in my mind, characters <laughs> like, together in one space. And I'm, like, okay. and I'm like, great, I'm smelling patchouli. And then I'm being greeted by this, um, this, this guy, this white guy with dreads, with drop crotch pants, not wearing any shoes and like no shirt, but like a vest. Um, and he's got like these like weird body motions that he's doing with his arm. And he's like, welcome. And I'm like, oh, like we're in North Bay. Like you sound very LA in my mind. And I'm already judging the whole, the whole, whole thing. And so he's like, all right, you're gonna take off your shoes and you're gonna go around the corner. You're gonna lay down. I'm like, okay. This is my first, and I'm like, this is my first time. I don't even know what this is. And he's like, yeah, just take off your shoes and go around the corner. So I take off my shoes. I take off my hat. <laughs> I put my stuff down. I go around the corner. And at the time, I didn't know. I didn't even know about Burning Man at the time. <laughs> um, I don't know if your audience knows about Burning Man, but like, I, apparently I walked into a burner's sound bath. <laughs> Ah, and so, okay. but like, I see more people that were kind of dressed this way, but like with fur, and they were like laying down and massaging each other. And I'm just like, hold, like, what did I <laughs> walk into? And so I'm like, okay, there's like, it's crowded. There's a lot of weird people, a lot of interesting smells happening. I am going to just like exit stage left. And I, um, you know, I started walking out and the guy comes back and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, I, I can't find a space. <laughs> and so these two guys hear me uh, who were laying down and um, they were like, oh, well, we can make space for you right here. And at that time, I was still, again, like still very, very self-conscious about my body, still very self-conscious about just all that is Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know Danielle at the time. I was still really trying to, at that point, even question about, you know, who is Danielle. And so, like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to lay down next to these two dudes and touch naked <laughs> elbows. I can't touch naked elbows with these guys. <laughs> I'm like, so, like, oh, my God. But anyway, I ended up laying down. I ended up sitting between the guys, the, the, the practitioner um, well, I say practitioner, but they would call themselves sound healers, um, turned off the lights and, um, you know, no explanation. And I, my, I just kind of blew up. I was like, Hey, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what these instruments are. I don't really know what's going to happen. And the guy in a very, very calm voice said, it's going to be okay. 
be open. Mm. And if it wasn't, I kid you not, if that guy didn't say those two sentences, those words, I would not have shut up. I would not have been able to calm that crazy mind chatter that was, that was happening internally and lay down and have that experience. And it was the most profound experience that I had had up to that point in, in dabbling and, and checking out these other modalities. And afterwards, I, you know, I had so much emotion that I was like, I, I need to know more about this. I need someone to explain this to me. And he was like, well, the this is a school. The teacher will be back tomorrow. And so I went back the next day. Got, I had my, my questions answered, and then I signed up for the, for the program right on the spot. <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah. So one of the questions I'd like to ask, because I, I previously had, um, and you're familiar with um, Rico, uh, Maestro yeah. Rico. I had him, yeah, I had him on the show a few episodes ago, um, and we started having the discussion around sound healing. And so, uh, you know, as another, you know, sound practitioner, for you, how do you describe sound healing for someone who may not be um, as knowledgeable about that modality in particular? And like, you know, maybe what's your like elevator pitch for what sound healing is just to kind of give the audience a bit more context from a, another perspective. Yeah. I, I think of it as, okay, is this a Danielle Hall I'm talking to? Danielle Hall, you know, 2010, <laughs> 20, <laughs> 2005. Um, or, you know, I kind of assess um, the openness or kind of where someone is in their journey and what kinds of things that they've tried out. But if I'm, if I'm talking to, if I, if I have a sense that I'm talking to like my old, my old self, Danielle, um, the skeptical Danielle, I really relate it more towards the stress reduction and pain relief. So it's a sound experience that supports you in relieving stress and reducing pain. And it's called sound healing because we create the environment for your body to go into its own natural healing processes. So I like to take the healing world, healing word out of it. It's actually, to me, it's, it's, there's this integrity piece for me of like, I am not healing you, but I am creating the environment for your body to go into its own natural healing processes. And then usually people ask, okay, well, they, they have more questions and they're intrigued. And what a, what a regular sound bath session would look like is you um, coming into a group session uh, and you lay down for 40 minutes while I'm playing quartz crystal bowls, gong, drums, and other little instruments um, that are specific to different um have different methodologies and sequencing that they would come in to get you into a theta brainwave state and get you into that state. The, the really interesting thing is um, with quartz crystal bowls, which is one of the instruments that I, I really gravitate towards, the foundation of sound healing, or I'll back up a little bit, the foundation of sound healing is the law of resonance, which is... Um, I kind of wish you can like see me do this, but like I am like kind of dancing. <laughs> but like, okay. So like, if you imagine, um, like last night you go out and you have a couple of drinks and you're like having a good time, um, uh, and but before that your liver oscillates at a particular frequency, it's going boom, 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 and let's just say that that is the frequency of your liver. 
right? And so you go out and you have a really good time <laughs> uh, and have a couple drinks and you're just like high on life and just like living it. And all of a sudden the next day, because, you know, you maybe partied a little too much, your liver is like boom, 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 instead of it's boom, 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 right? Uh, so the law of resonance states that you can play the, the home note of uh, the resonant frequency or like the healthy frequency of an organ to resonate it back to its healthy state. So uh, mm. in that case, that boom, 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 I would introduce the boom, 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 boom. And because that is the healthy state of the liver, it would resonate it back to its home note or it's a, frequency range of a healthy liver. And an example of that is uh, like kidney stones. Um, so if you go into the doctor for kidney stones, they can uh, actually beam a frequency to your kidney stone. They find the frequency of the kidney stone. They send this frequency beam basically to the kidney stone and raise the volume exponentially and can blow it up. And, um, you know, it, it's, and it's not affecting anything else in the area because it's that frequency and it's giving the energy enough energy to the kidney stone to blow it up. I'm not going to blow you up coming to a sound bath, but, <laughs> <laughs> capability. but what I do have the capability of is supporting you in resonating back to a healthy state. Hmm. So uh, a question I like to ask, especially, you know, Thinking about your introduction to, um, you know, like a, the sound bath and what that looked like, was your initial introduction to it, how did that shape how you stepped into being a practitioner um, and, and maybe change what or kind of altered what the experience you maybe you create for your clients and the folks that you work with? I love this question. <laughs> not Yay. many people know like, like what what I do to, that goes into this. So, <laughs> oh, and it's going to, okay. I'm so excited about this question. Okay. So, um, so when I was getting into all of this, even so when I took my first yoga class, okay. So I go into my first yoga class and I, I, I realized that I didn't go to a yoga because find what was represented as a Amazonian, beautifully tall, blonde, slender, bendy woman, um, Caucasian. And then I didn't go to massage because I thought that that was only for people who had disposable money, disposable income. And, you know, going down the list of all of the things. And so then I go, you know, and sound healing was like, ah, oh, this is like some really weird, hippie, like <laughs> far out thing that I, I didn't see any science that was grounding it and I wasn't seeing it represented in that way and I was again like seeing a particular type of person representing it and um, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the people that I you know that I'm saying or I'm not trying to, to trash talk anyone I but what I was noticing from my own mind was one I had an awareness of there's got to be other Danielle Halls out there who think that I do, think the way that I do. And then, you know, I'm, I'm five foot tall, white woman. And if I wasn't seeing myself represented in these spaces, then there are definitely other demographics not 
feeling themselves represented or seeing themselves represented in these spaces. And so became this deeper inquiry around um, alternative therapies and the systemic issues at hand and like how can we even approach that conversation and making something that's already, you know, kind of, it's not weird to me anymore, sound healing, but like, you know, um, it's still new to a lot of people. And so this thing that is kind of foreign, it, you know, it, since it's already something that is not mainstream, how do we bring in like all of these other conversations that, and things that need to be addressed? And so um, when I started my sound healing practice, um, one of the things that was really important to me was to figure out how first I just needed to get started. <laughs> um, and so um, the first thing that I did was look at my first experience and it, at going to a sound bath. I didn't know what it was. Uh, it was really weird. I didn't know how to prepare for it. How do you dress? How, like, what are, what the heck are these instruments? What is it meant for? Who, you know, who would come to this? Why would you come to this? All of those things. Um, and so I've, I, and I feel like that, I, I have some of that information on my website so that people can start to look there. Mm -hmm. um, and that is always ever evolving. But um, one of the things that I do is when you come to one of my sound baths, usually I, I have the opportunity to hug everybody. <laughs> so the hug is really important because that starts to alleviate the, um, the internal conversation that's going on and starting, starting to um, relieve the, the monkey brain that is trying to protect you from the tiger that's hiding in the closet in this weird scenario that you're walking into. Um, second, uh, I try to, um, depending on where I'm facilitating, but when I'm at my home studio at the Center for Love and Light, I mark the space, I mark the rows. So again, like, I, like trying to make it really easy for people to come in, know what they're supposed to do and not feel lost or like, oh my God, I'm the new person, everybody's gonna know. Um, so already alleviating that people already know what they need to do when they walk in the room. Um, and whoever's checking, checking people in or supporting me, like there's, I have a conversation with, with them around, like you are, you have a really important role. And if you don't understand that you are not just checking people in, you are the first point of entry for them to go into a deeper experience, then, um, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> extend that same love energy that that this is meant to meant to be uh and then um before we even before i even start the actual sound experience i actually take everybody through uh and share okay what is a sound bath and why is it called a sound bath and then what is going to happen in this sound bath in the order that it's going to happen and then actually deliver on what i say so that it's already creating this trust um, to, to, so that when I ask you to lay down with 30 other adults for this 40 minute adult sleepover, <laughs> uh, you have, you, you, that monkey brain can, that mind chatter can subside and you can actually relax into the experience and feel comfortable closing your eyes. 
uh, and trusting me to take you on this on this sound journey. Um, and so I developed, or I've written out this whole process um, that I actually teach as part of my Sound Healing 101 classes. And um, just to like, how do you disarm that part of the brain that's really just there to, to support you and, and to, um, yeah, to, to keep you safe. Uh, and then the other thing that started once I, after I had created all of that, I actually, um, because I still have that, that internal conversation around um, making this accessible to people and making sure that people understand that this is for you, uh, wherever you are in your journey, um, I was able to, to start looking at, okay, well, who are the personalities and demographics of people coming into my space? Who, who am I already making it accessible to? And now how can I broaden that? And so um, part of that for me was, okay, I'm like, I am white and I am attracting a very white crowd. <laughs> this was in the beginning of my career. Um, and so I purposely started reaching out to um, all of my friends of color to be like, hey, I need to have a real heart-to-heart -heart conversation about this so I can have a better understanding in making this accessible, but, but really like there, like for me, it was, it was like, how, how am I not showing up in my vibration to, um, you know, make, make this accessible and not that, not to say that I am like the one, uh, to do this. <laughs> But I knew like my bigger goal was to eventually, I started this business seven years ago and I knew that eventually I would be teaching this and it would be through my students that would take this out into their communities to um, share the power of this work. But to get there, I needed to actually create opportunities for, the, for other people to feel comfortable with me. <laughs> and so once they were comfortable and they trusted me, then, yeah, then, you know, it could, they would take it out into their communities and the ripple effect would, would just, like, happen. Um, but that, that was something that I meant a lot to me in, um, in, in the approach and, and how, I, how I talk about it and I'm trying to make this and working to make this more and more accessible. So I think that's a perfect segue. Um, when we talk about community, we talk about accessibility and what that looks like, you have an event coming up. Um, can you talk to me a little bit more about the Planetary Sound Immersion fundraiser you have coming up? Um, you know, give a little foundation about the event um, and maybe talk to the listeners about, you know, for those that would be able to attend, maybe what, um, what they could expect from the event and, you know, get the good old feels about the event. Talk to me about good what it feels. is. Yeah. Get the feels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the idea for this fundraiser first rooted is rooted in um, part. Okay, so part of what I'm doing in sound healing now. So I I have group sound bath sessions. I I go into corporate wellness programs and bring this into them. I have um, practitioners in San Francisco and here in Atlanta. So I bounce back and forth with clients there and here. Uh, but I'm based here in Atlanta. 
And um, so this initiative with the fundraiser is really rooted in um, how can I create more job opportunities for my students? How can I create more job opportunities for sound practitioners so that we can elevate the field and create more credibility? And um, I, when looking at the field of sound healing, the main ways that sound practitioners make their living is through yoga studios, group sound baths, and the festival circuit. And it's because it's, it's, they're not seeing the value that they're bringing to the table and or uh, not quite sure how to, how to get into situations like corporate wellness programs or therapy centers, for example. And so um, this is, and, and those are the types of, that is the type of work that they're really um, fulfill that need to, to get sound healing into these spaces. Um, and so it started with this. It started with creating job opportunities for sound practitioners. And since I've produced the event, it's just grown into this, this bigger thing, this like thing that I, I couldn't have even have imagined it turning into. So it's creating job opportunities for sound practitioners. The theme of the fundraiser is home. Um, as a military kid, I, you know, moving quite a lot, this conversation of home is close to home <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, Atlanta is the only place that I've ever had this sense of home. And uh, there's just something so special about this city, man. Like, I don't even, I don't even know. Um, but, um, and so what, what is home? What home is this, this place of love, safety, and belonging. And I'm just looking at these two um, nonprofits, Chris 180, which is a trauma center for kids coming from low-income families, and Kate's Club, which is an organization working with kids navigating grief of a loved one. And um, these two organizations are really beautiful examples of what we're already doing here at home to reset the foundations of these kids whose foundation of home has been rocked. And so um, this fundraiser is creating job opportunities for sound practitioners to go into both of these organizations um, to support our home here in Atlanta, our, our, the, the people right in our own backyard, um, in what their foundation of home is um, or could be. And just the ripple effect of what, you know, if we can support these kids in this and start to make um, decisions based on love instead of fear and show them that they are cared about, that they're loved, that, that they belong, that they're safe, um, we're gonna have a, a stronger leadership force moving in the, in the next generations. Um, so at the, the planetarium is going to, it's really, man, like it, I, I'm so excited. It's going to be epic. <laughs> we, as we're speaking right now on this day, we have 191 sign up. Oh, yay. Yeah. yeah. My personal goal is 300, but we have capacity for 500. So I'm just saying 500. Um, we, there's going to be four of my sound practitioners who come to my sound healing classes, my sound healing 101 classes, uh, to, 
participate with me in the facilitation. So five sound practitioners creating this sound immersion for you as you're sitting in these big comfy seats uh, you know, lounged back, looking up at this incredible space scene that's just kind of taking you through a tour of space. Um, there's, you have, this is the first sound bath that I've done where you have the option to keep your eyes open. <laughs> so um, that's going to be really interesting to me. If like somebody looks over at me and I'm just like, okay, wait, that, like you're taking me <laughs> out of that state. But um Everyone will, when they come in to check in, they will receive a wrist bracelet that at the end of the experience will be an exchange for their gift bag. And then they'll also receive an eye mask. So if, if you choose to go more inward rather than kind of keeping your eyes open and watching the, the tour through space, um, you have that option to go more inward by wearing the eye mask. Uh, so you have that choice. Um, there's a free photo booth from Clickbox. I mean, thank you. And Paul McPherson Jr. is documenting the photography, documenting photography. Leanne's going to do video. Rico's going to be there setting the, um, setting up everybody's nervous systems to receive this experience before they even get in the dome. Um, there's, I'm so blessed to have uh, Crystal Jones there to set up sanctuary. Um, there's one thing that I do after all of my sound baths, which is um, there is time after the sound bath for integration and for clarity around what your experience was about. And with 500 people, I'm not going to have that opportunity. So we've created, we're creating this sanctuary and Crystal will be there to, um, to support everybody through that if they would like to go and speak or just go sit in this quiet space. Um, key Beverages is there. They're gonna be giving out free juice and kombucha. Happy Strangers is gonna be there so that um, everyone can write themselves a note that we'll, we will then mail back to them uh, sometime in the future. <laughs> um, and so everything is very, very intentional. I even have a designated um, hugger is hugging everybody upon entry because I can't do that that day. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to get a lot of the elements that you would get uh, coming to one of my sound baths. There's the, there's the difference of, you know, this is borderlining performance over the, what to me there's, well, one of the things that I teach is the difference between performing and facilitating. And so with this particular experience, this is crossing the line of performance aspect, but um, still keeping the integrity of the facilitation mode because that's uh, what we're bringing into Chris 180 and into Kate's Club. Mm. <laughs> I'm excited. Listen, I'm I'm taking it all in. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, one thing I want to ask, I think it's a, it's a good transition, you know, as you, you know, you've talked about this event and putting this big event together and the, you know, what it's been like to be an instructor and having your own business. Um, what's been one of maybe one of the biggest lessons you've learned in this process over the past seven years um, of, you know, maybe on the business side that has been really beneficial to your own kind of development around this? Mm. I would say, ugh. I mean, and before I got into sound healing, I was in commercial photography and actually went to the Art Institute of Atlanta, 2000, 2004, moved to San Francisco in 2004. 
Um, and so I've been an entrepreneur, solopreneur since 2000. And um, I would say the biggest lesson that I've had to learn is asking for help. Um, like it's, it's really like I, my whole thing with asking for help is I have this belief system that, um, and this is still something that I'm working through. Uh, and I have to be very mindful of is that, that I feel like I'm going to burden somebody by asking for help. When, when I do finally ask for help, people are jumping at the bit to help me. <laughs> They're just like, wait, no, I'm, you're giving me an opportunity to be a part of this, or you're giving me an opportunity to support you and you've supported me all of this time. And it's just been a, it's, it's beautiful and I'm getting better at it. I, I'm getting better at it. And I have to, I have to keep acknowledging myself on that and calling myself out on that. <laughs> hmm. How did you, you know, in thinking about that, what, what's, can you think of a time in which maybe working through that something kind of clicked for you around like, Hey, this is, cause I think it's interesting that you say that. I think, I think it's, again, that's something I feel like is so much more common, especially for folks who are entrepreneurs and solo solopreneurs. Like we think that, you know, sometimes we take one a lot by ourselves and, yeah. um, well, and coming in, like, can I pay somebody to do that? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there, there's, there's a there's a lot in that conversation alone i think um but that yeah there was definitely a, a situation that really brought this to attention for me in, a, in this whole other way um um so in 2015 there there's a lot of stuff happening in my life at the time where it was like my whole foundation was rocked um i uh my boyfriend of five years and I broke up. I was losing my apartment. I was losing my sound healing studio. And so for the first time, there was nothing that was super rooting me into San Francisco. And I was trying to figure out, okay, well, where do I move? Where do I have my practice? What am I doing? And at the time I was still thinking San Francisco. And then there was this opportunity from my, my sound healing community out here in Atlanta that was presented to me and but I needed to move to Atlanta to do it and I was like well this is a sign <laughs> <laughs> like well I like here's my timeline and it like things seem to work out so in 2016 I moved back to Atlanta and um and then all of a sudden I get payments you know talked taught um, all of my sound healers, my sound healers in uh, the Bay Area and was hiring them to go into my corporate clients and to the therapy center and like everybody was set and I'm he I get here and then the opportunity that led me out here went away and mm -hmm. what that ended up doing was um, I it all of a sudden meant I don't have this like chunk of income that I need to even pay my bills. And so I was essentially homeless. Um, I had to, I was bouncing from couch to couch for six months. And it was a time that I, I was forced to ask for help that, um, that I, I had this experience of, um, like really 
really experiencing my ego and really experiencing, um, you know, allowing other people to step up to the plate and say, hey, no, I have a bed for you here and I have food for you here. Oh, hey, let me buy you coffee here. Um, and so um, there, there was this, it was a beautiful, you know, when you're in it, you're just like WTF universe. <laughs> what, what is this? You know, and it's really hard to see the message and the lesson in it. Um, but um, it, that was that, I mean, I think I can, in looking back, I can see that I needed to have that experience to learn how to ask for help, learn how to accept help without feeling guilty um, and um, see the subconscious programming that was popping up around my self-worth and what it meant to accept help. Um, because I, if I hadn't gone through that, I don't think that I would, would really appreciate what's happening right now with this fundraiser where, you know, I'm not even asking for help and people are just showing up. <laughs> They're like, oh, you need 500 waters done. And I'm like, what you need? <laughs> like, what else do you need? I'm like, I need hangers and, you know, doing this coat check thing. Oh, we have hangers. And I'm just like, dude really? <laughs> um, so to really, yeah, to hone that in, that, that experience in 2016, uh, and even on a more humbling level, I, uh, a friend of mine was like, well, you know, I know that thing you're getting reestablished and you're like, I was, I was still keeping my business going in San Francisco. So I was getting a little bit of income that was coming in, but it wasn't enough to pay my bills here and, and keep it all going. So um, she was like, I know a guy, <laughs> um, he, uh, uh, has a bee farm and I'm sure I can get you work in selling honey at the farmer's markets. And so I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's take the ego and put it over here. Cause like, I was definitely having a conversation with myself of like, what does this mean? And what does this say about me? And, and it had nothing. It was, you know, all of these, like, I got into selling honey and honey, it, uh, be wild honey, if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I started the honey train, just so you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, I was paying my rent with honey money. I was slanging honey for a year. <laughs> paying my rent. And dude, if it wasn't the opportunity of a lifetime to meet so many people in Atlanta and connect with so many people around health and wellness and so many people just in different neighborhoods and learning the different conversations that were having happening in different neighborhoods, um, you know, it, it like there are so many people from 2016 that I met from honey, selling that honey that um that really actually propelled my sound healing career forward and here we are 2018 so less it was really less than two years that i was able to get back on my feet and now i'm i'm thriving in my business um and you know it's like and i have a different internal conversation of you know <laughs> what it meant to sell honey even um which wasn't a con like when those types of conversations come up, you're just like, oh, I'm a jerk. 
um, let me let me reprogram that thought and you know like where is that conversation even coming from uh, mm. yeah paid my rent with honey money hey <laughs> nothing wrong with the honey money I'm not no, even <laughs> you know what if anybody needs some extra income I will connect you with <laughs> with be wild and um, yeah, you could be a honey slanger too. <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest transition ever. Um, from honey money to leadership. Um, <laughs> listen, <laughs> for you and your experience that you've had, um, how do you define leadership? Mm. I was really thinking about this question. Like, <sighs> I think that with leadership in any form, I, I think that it, you know, like I keep coming back to um, the self, um, that leadership starts within yourself and um, that leadership is being able to lead yourself with integrity and grace and compassion. Um, and if you can't lead yourself with those things, uh, that, 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 that is really where leadership starts. Um, is being able to lead yourself. Um, we're all leaders. And um, once we can show ourselves compassion and self-love, then we're able to show up in the world in all of these different ways. And whether that's with our family and being a leader in our family, uh, whether that's being a leader slinging honey, <laughs> you know, whether that's you know, now I'm, I'm a leader in leading sound healing practitioners, um, in, in their careers. And if I didn't start with coming back to me, coming back to the leader of myself, um, I don't think that I would have the impact that I'm, that I'm, or I think I'm still defining it really, but I think at the root of it, it comes back to being able to lead yourself and, and in that leadership, there's, there's compassion and love. Um, I also believe in setting people up for success. So like in mm. my business, um, you know, if, so for example, I have um, two assistants right now and they both have very different talents and very different genius in different areas. And so there's one that is so amazing at just boasting, you know, and, and sharing about Sound Embrace and being a part of this initiative. And so I put her in, in charge of things that, um, that she'll feel good doing rather than going to um, a yoga class because that's not really her thing, <laughs> you mm. know? Um, or like one, one person was really, really good at, um, you know, marketing stuff on the computer and one person's not. So the one that's not, I'm not going to put in that position. Um, and then it's not just what they're good at. It's what, what do they, what lights them up? So mm. I want them to su succeed in the thing that really lights them up. And for the one assistant who really loves talking about, Sound embrace. I'm like, cool. <laughs> that works for me. I want to put you in those positions, you know? Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's part of leadership too is um, 
you know, um, not that I'm not going to put them in a challenging situation, like in terms of uh, that might support them in their growth. But if I put them in a, a situation that's going to challenge them, it's going to be a situation that is more in alignment with the direction that they're wanting to go in their own career or their own path. Um, so I'm not gonna, yeah. I think that that's, that's one of the things that I, I like to do. Like, I think a good leader listens. Um, I think a good leader, um, you know, sets people up for success. I think a good leader is vulnerable, but has strong boundaries to be able to move forward with an initiative. Um, I think a good leader is someone who can receive feedback and information in any capacity of information and um, not take it. <laughs> uh, meaning um, that just because somebody is having a disagreement about how I conduct a sound bath, let's just say, or how I talk about sound healing, um, it doesn't mean that their opinion is necessarily wrong or that I think that they're wrong. It's just their opinion. Um, and that has nothing to do with me. And so uh, I think it's, and now I think I'm just trying to like search for more words to say around leadership. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I definitely, your perspective is, it, it, I, I get it. And it makes, it definitely is, is resonant in, in, in the work that you do and, and kind of how you navigate in those spaces. And I love the whole concept of like, you know, leading self first, because I think that's really important. Um, and I think it speaks to the work that you do, you know, as well in the spaces you're in. But I think that's a good connection to the next question in terms of, you know, how do you define mindfulness and what that looks like? Mindfulness to me is being aware and being present. Um, it's, it's a practice. It's not, um, Mindfulness, for example, is, you know, this morning I was, I was at a, an event and I was feeling overwhelmed at the event because a lot of people wanted to, to chat or to, to reconnect and, and all of these really great, beautiful things. But I was feeling overwhelmed because I have all of these tabs open in my brain and, you know, I'm like producing this event and there's there's this thing that uh, we go into of like, okay, what is the thing I have to do after this thing? And so I had this moment of being aware and present that I was having this overwhelm. And it's through that mindfulness of the overwhelm that I could ask myself, okay, where's this coming from? And how can I empower myself in this situation to be present with these people that are um, asking me some really great questions. And um, so, and I think that that can be carried into like any situation. It's like, oh, I'm mindful that my, like I have a headache today. Man, I had a headache yesterday too. Why do I keep getting a headache? You know, it's, mm -hmm. I think it invites 
curiosity and it's through the curiosity that these awarenesses come up that you can then empower yourself to uh change the situation um like the other day i was like oh my god why do i have this zit on my face and then i'm like okay i had three mochas dairy darn it man okay dairy no more dairy for a little bit <laughs> you, know? Um, <laughs> you know that's just a really simple example but uh that's what mindfulness is to me it, it, like it infiltrates it infiltrates all every part of your life it could be the smallest thing of like i have a zit on my face why do i have a zit on my face so you can backtrack of like okay now i know how to empower myself in this situation to um, i'm having a very challenging conversation and i am feeling everything in my body tense up how can i empower myself in this situation so that I can get out of this fight or flight and deal with this in a more productive way. One of the questions I like to ask um, my guests is that, you know, is there a resource you'd like to share with the listeners, whether that's a book, podcast, movie, song, article um, that may have been maybe influential to your own personal growth and development? Oh, there's not just one. <laughs> um, you know, like I think, so there, there are a couple um, people that I continually go back to. Um, uh, Marie Forleo is one. Um, uh, she has a podcast and um, marieforleo.com. <clears throat> I'm also, uh, I also go back and forth with Gabrielle Bernstein, Seth Godin, Gary V, Derek Halpern, Derek Halpern. Um, and of course, anything Oprah, anything Brene Brown. Um, <clears throat> I think that like, one of the things that I notice that I get into are these um, seasons of <laughs> uh, work, 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 work. And so um, a really great resource for me has really just been my immediate community. like. Uh, friends being like, hey, reaching out and, and reflecting back to me the, like, you're not playing, <laughs> you're just working, remember there's still life. Because um, uh, I know as, as any other, if, you know, the other entrepreneurs out there listening to this, like it's, you can, you're, you are fed by the work, not just, you know, in a financial sense, but like your energy, you, you know, you can get your energy from your work and you're passionate about your work. And then you, you look back, you open your eyes or like lift your head up for a second. And you're like, Oh my God, two weeks went by. Um, I haven't called my sister back <laughs> or whatever mm. it was. Um, so, um, I think tapping into your family and your friends um, as resources for reflect uh, a reflection and mirror back have been amazing tools for my personal growth um, because they're also the people that uh, <laughs> you know they'll give you the slap down if you need the slap down <laughs> <laughs> that they will and it's appropriate around this time of the year <laughs> the holiday season they will provide that for you as you need it. <laughs> Oh gosh, I can already hear my mom again this year. Just like every holiday, it seems. I, well, anyway, I was about to go into my personal life. 
<laughs> but she's like, well, I'll say it anyway. She's like, Danielle, you're such a beautiful young lady. Why don't you have a boyfriend? And I was like, oh my God, mom. It just so happens at the holiday, I just don't. <laughs> I don't know what's up. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Oh, <laughs> I love you. moms. So what the as I you know as we wrap up the conversation the the last question I have for you which is a question I kind of wrap up or end all my podcasts with um, is like at the end of the day um, what do you what do you want your legacy to be? Oh yeah, that's a little heavy. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I I don't think in terms of legacy I think more in terms of am I living my life in a way that's bringing this sense of fulfillment to myself um <laughs> I know that sounds really weird and kind of maybe selfish but I think like we get this time on earth not necessarily for other people, but for us to have an experience of self and have an experience in this body that we were given. Um, and even though I'm in a, in a career path that is giving back to others, it is so fulfilling for me to, to do that work. I mean, I'd love for, I have, you know, big goals of elevating the sound healing industry because it's something that I believe in. And, um, you know, I have really, really big goals for um, the spaces that I'm wanting to bring this work into. But ultimately, it like, it has nothing to do with sound healing, per se, it has everything to do with what does it take to live a life that you love and, and enjoy. And for so much of my life, the first 28 years of my life, I was not experiencing that, um, that the fullest joy because I was on so many different medications that I felt like I was walking through the world in this kind of haze and this bubble. And uh, for anybody who has been sick or was sick for a very long time or is sick um, and not seeing their way out, it's like when you get that opportunity I mean, it literally was a second chance at life for me. And so um, I don't think in terms of legacy, I don't think in terms of what I'm leaving behind and thinking, am I living every day in passion and purpose for, the f for me to feel fulfilled? And um, am I acting in a space of love, not just towards other people, but to myself? Mm. Got me thinking. I don't know. That was a little. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not exactly what you're looking for, but um... no. It it it. Uh, but I, what I enjoy about that question and the reason why I keep it, I think it's probably been one of the consistent questions in some sort of form through the, all the iterations of the podcast because I love everyone's take on the question. Um, and so you know, I don't. I, I try not to go into it with any you know intention of what I'm seeking from that, but. I love everyone's take and perspective on that question. So yes, I, I, appreciate. I think it's like so much pressure. If, if it's like, <laughs> what legacy you're leaving behind? I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like uh, <laughs> somebody felt good after a sound bath. Great. I've succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Dale, thank you for taking the time today um, to chat. Um, great conversation. Um, 
what's the best way for my listeners to get in contact with you? My email is dhall, that's D as in Danielle, H-A-L-L, at soundembrace.com. My website is soundembrace.com, and I'd love to continue the conversation on Instagram at soundembracehealth, at soundembrace.com, because all the other things are .com. But uh, Instagram at soundembracehealth. Uh, I love, I love Instagram. I love chatting it up on Instagram, so yeah perfect well listen thank you so much uh this was great um i look forward to connecting with you at the event um and and um yeah this was great thank you thank you really appreciate it thank you again for your continued support of the mindful rebel podcast i appreciate the listens i appreciate you vibing with the podcast um, if you would like to check out past episodes, please go to any of your favorite podcasts and platforms, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Anchor FM. If you want to learn more about me and what I do as a creative, an educator, and a scholar, you can go to my website, that's seanjmore.com. Again, that's seanjmore.com to learn a little bit more about me and what I do. Uh, again, thank you for your continued support. Please, any feedback that you have, any potential guests that you'd like to hear on the podcast, don't hesitate to reach out. Let me know what you think. Uh, All feedback is welcome. Thank you.